you see that, I want to begin by thanking John for doing such a great job preaching God's Word for me last Sunday. I know you were blessed by God through uh, His preaching and teaching of the Word last week. Let me also say to you, happy anniversary! Yes! Happy anniversary! Today we celebrate our 11th year of ministry here on the Ridge. Yes! It was 11 years ago when God placed us here, opened the doors, and allowed us to begin ministering to His people here on the Ridge. It would be impossible to share all the ways in which God has blessed us, changed us, and used us during these past 11 years on the ridge. We know God has been at work in and around and through our church family for 151 years. Yes, the past 11 of which have been right here on the ridge. And I'm sure you would agree with me. I'm amazed that God has saved us by his grace. I'm amazed that God has filled us with his Holy Spirit. I'm amazed that God has called us from all over the world. Literally, when you look around this room, God has called us from all over the world to gather together here to serve him as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. I find that amazing. We just stop and look at all that God is doing here in our midst. And I'm amazed that God continues to use us in his work of changing lives for eternity. And what a blessing it is to be a part of God's work here in our church family. And so if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open them to the New Testament book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. Uh, We are going to continue in our sermon series titled Treasure Hunting. We are searching God's word for his priceless treasures of truth so that we can apply them in our lives and share them with others. Uh, The author of the book of Romans is the Apostle Paul. Romans, real quickly, is a treasure chest of truth for our lives. It is a masterpiece of doctrine and theology for you and me today. In the book of Romans, Paul talked to us about many, many different truths about uh, the doctrine we hold dearly and believe and follow. Paul told us about our sin, which separates us from God, and also told us about the mercy and love of God, which offers us the gift of God, which is forgiveness of sins and salvation by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ Jesus alone. Paul told us, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul told us that if we confess with our mouths uh, that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Paul said, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul told us there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul also told us that we're to no longer be conformed to the pattern or the thinking of this world, its belief system, its messages and philosophies. But instead, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds on the truth of God's word so that by Renewing our minds in the truth of God's word, we'll be transformed in the likeness of Christ. We'll be able to know the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God for our lives. Just a few of the many, many amazing truths that Paul shared with us in this fantastic book, The Church in Rome. Paul wrote Romans to the church in Rome from Corinth. Rome, at this time, was the capital and most important city in the Roman Empire. 
Paul had not visited the church at Rome at this point, when we're going to look at today in his writing, but he hoped and planned to visit them soon. Chapter 16, the book of Romans, is the final chapter. It's an interesting chapter. It's full of commendations, greetings, and well wishes. Let's begin. I'll read beginning in Romans 16 with verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church in Kincrea. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matter she may require your help. For indeed, she has been a benefactor of many and of me also. Greet Give my greetings to Prisca and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. I love that description. Not only do I thank them, but so do all the Gentile churches. Greet also the church that meets in their homes. So there's a church obviously meeting in their home. Greet my dear friend Apinatas, who is a first convert to Christ from Asia. So we see here in these first five verses just a, a glimpse, a summary of how Paul opened chapter 16 with greetings to uh, some of his brothers and sisters in Christ who were living at Rome at this time. They're living there in Rome, doing ministry there in this important city of Rome. These greetings were commonly used, uh, these commendations as we just read, these greetings were commonly used in letters in Paul's day. There are many different purposes for these greetings. Uh, Just a few of the purposes of these greetings that Paul shared here in Romans 16. Number one, the first purpose was one of introduction. Uh, We know that there was no postal system, Federal Express, or internet at this time. And so letters had to be hand-delivered by people. Paul's commendation in verse 1 and following, Paul's commendation introduced Phoebe to the believers in the church in Rome. Paul's commendation verified that Phoebe was a fellow servant, a co-worker, a helper, a benefactor of Paul's and of many others in the churches as well. Therefore, she was someone who could be trusted. It also verified that Phoebe, who most scholars believe was the one who delivered Paul's letter to the church at Rome, could be trusted as well as the letter that she was delivering could be trusted that it was the official, authentic work of the Apostle Paul. So there was an introduction component uh, to what we read here in chapter 16. Second component, second purpose was lodging. Uh, These commendations, this this greeting uh, specifically of Phoebe would help make sure she had lodging as she traveled from Corinth to the church in Rome to deliver this letter to the believers in the church in Rome. These greetings, commendations, well wishes would help to uh, encourage other believers along the way of travel to show hospitality to her to make sure that they assisted her in whatever way she had need. And so we also see a third purpose of these commendations or greetings was love. Paul loved these believers. Paul greeted many of his brothers and sisters in Christ who were living in Rome 
believers whom he loved, had served with, and missed dearly. Paul was not just a preacher and teacher of God's word. Paul was also a people person. Paul loved God and Paul loved people. And Paul expressed his love for his brothers and sisters in Christ in many ways in his writings. And there are many different ways he would express his love for others. There's many ways that we express our love for one another today. And I'll share just a a couple quick ways, a few ways that Paul shared his love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. We see that uh, here evidenced in chapter 16. We also see it throughout his writings. Number one, Paul uh, prayed for them. Paul expressed his love to his brothers and sisters in Christ by praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul continually prayed for his fellow co-workers and his fellow believers. He thanked God for them as he prayed for them and their needs. Second way he demonstrated love is Paul instructed them. Paul taught everyone, everywhere, the truth of God's word because Paul knew and believed God's word was best for everyone, including him, everywhere. Paul loved them by teaching God's truth to them. Understand, one of the greatest ways pastors demonstrate their love for those that God's placed in their flock is by preaching God's truth to them. And Paul loved these believers, and we know he did because he prayed for them. We know he did because he taught them God's word. As Paul had said, even in chapter 1, at the very beginning of this amazing book of Romans, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. He let him know right off the bat, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's God's power to salvation for everyone who believes, first the Jew and then also to the Greek. So we know he prayed for them, he instructed them. A third way Paul shared his love and showed his love to others is Paul warned them. Paul's warnings to his brothers and sisters in Christ were evidence of his love and care for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so as we look at Romans chapter 16, we find that Paul opened chapter 16 with greetings to some of his brothers and sisters in Christ who were living in Rome at this time. Paul ended chapter 16, if you were to look towards the end of chapter 16, Paul ended chapter 16 with greetings from many of his co-workers to the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus who were living at Rome at this time. And in the middle of all these commendations and greetings and well wishes, right in the middle of all these greetings in Romans chapter 16, Paul shared a priceless treasure of God's truth with the believers there in the church in Rome and a priceless treasure of truth for you and me today. In the middle of this amazing chapter of greetings, accommodations, and well wishes, Paul inserted right in the middle a warning, a very important warning to his brothers and sisters in Christ in the church in Rome, a warning that is still true for you and me today. And so let's look at this treasure of truth beginning in verse 17, Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now I implore you, brothers, watch out for those who cause dissensions and pitfalls contrary to the doctrine you have learned. Avoid them. For such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites and by smooth talk and flattering words they deceive the hearts 
of the unsuspecting. Paul warned these believers because Paul loved these believers. Paul had issued all these greetings, stops, issues this stern warning, and then picks back up with greetings. What an amazing treasure for us to look at and to discover what God has for us in these two amazing verses. So let's just begin. Paul said, now I implore you, brothers. Now I implore you, brothers. I implore you means I encourage you, I exhort you, I urge you. Brothers there gives us more indication, more evidence of Paul's love for these brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul's love for the believers there in the church in Rome. So we see clearly that this is a case Paul loves them. He's shared this. We see it once again as he's ending uh, this chapter, as he's ending the book of Romans, as he's sharing this stern warning. He begins and, and it reminds us of his love. Now I implore you, brothers, I urge you, I exhort you, I encourage you, watch out for Watch out for means keep an eye on. It means to watch out for intensely. This verb comes from the original language, uh, the word from the word scalpeo. Scalpeo is the Greek original word that we get our English word scope from, as in telescope or microscope. And so what Paul was saying here is he was saying, watch out for. Keep a close eye on. Watch for, look for closely, carefully, and consistently. Keep your eyes up and continue to watch, to keep an eye on. Watch for is also in the present tense, which means this was to be their daily discipline over and over and over again. So this is also to be our daily discipline. He is imploring us as his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus living here uh, today studying this word and he's telling us to watch out for, to keep our eyes out, to watch intensely, consistently, carefully, closely, to watch out for. Then he continues and he says, those who cause dissensions and pitfalls. So we know what we're to watch out for. We're to watch out for those who cause dissensions and pitfalls. Dissensions means divisions and disunity. Pitfalls means stumbling blocks. It means snares or traps. So we're to watch out for those who cause dissensions, divisions, disunity, and pitfalls, stumbling blocks, snares, and traps. So we understand and realize how important this is. We're to watch out. We're to keep an eye on them who cause these dissensions and pitfalls. Now, those who cause dissensions and pitfalls, let's make sure we understand who he's talking about. Those who cause dissensions and pitfalls are those who cause a Christ follower to stumble in their faith in Jesus. Those who cause dissensions and pitfalls are those who cause a Christ follower, to step in the trap of sin. Those who cause dissension and pitfalls are those who cause a Christ follower, encourage, lead a Christ follower to give in to the temptation to turn away from God into sin. Watch out for those who cause dissensions and pitfalls. Now he gives us uh, some some clarity here. Contrary to the doctrine you have learned. Watch out. 
Watch out for those who cause decisions and pitfalls contrary to the doctrine you've learned. The doctrine they had learned was the truth of God's word. That's what Paul had been preaching and teaching. The doctrine they had learned was the truth of God's word. So they were to watch out for those who would lead Christ followers to stumble in their faith in Jesus, to step into the trap of sin, to give in a temptation, to turn away from God into sin by teaching things that were contrary to the word of God. So Paul warned these believers in Rome about people, especially false teachers, who teach things that are contrary to the word of God. Teach other gospels other than the one that Paul taught. We know that false teachers... They need, we need to be aware and watch out for false teachers because false teachers cause dissensions and pitfalls by teaching things that are contrary to God's word and by spreading lies, follow me now, and by spreading lies about leaders and members of the church. False teachers, those people, are those who preach and teach things contrary to the word of God, but they're also those who share things, spread lies and untruths about pastors and leaders of churches and about the members of the churches. False teachers, obviously Paul felt strongly about this, false teachers tried to undermine Paul throughout his ministry by spreading lies about Paul in an attempt to discredit Paul. The false teachers wanted people in the churches to follow them. So they tried to lead the people in the churches away from Paul and God through deception and lies. Because they wanted them to follow them. They did so by teaching things contrary to God's word, but they did so also by seeking to undermine the leaders in the churches, specifically to undermine Paul. Paul spoke about this, wrote about this, Often, let me just give you three other areas in, in the New Testament where he spoke, wrote about these things, these, these folks who caused ascensions and pitfalls. He spoke to the uh, church at Galatea in Galatians 1, 6, and 7. He said, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning from him who called you by the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to change the gospel of Christ. Paul told the church in Colossians, Colossians 2, 4, I'm saying this, the truth of God's word, Paul said, I'm preaching the truth of God's word so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. Peter agreed, and Peter wrote in 2 Peter 2, 1, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Understand what Paul is saying to these believers years ago is still relevant for us today. False teachers are active, prevalent, and at work today. Preaching, teaching things that are contrary to the truth of God's word. They're saying and preaching and teaching things as if it's from God's word when it is completely opposite of God's word. There are people in churches today who seek to create dissensions, disunity, pitfalls, and problems in the church. There are people in churches today 
who try to lead people away from the church so that they will follow them by telling lies, untruths, and using deception to speak about members and leaders in the church. And Paul told us real clearly, beat them up. Pin them down, sit on them, and read the word of God to them. He said, put them on blast on Facebook and social media. Well, that's probably the flesh, not the, not the spirit. Paul didn't say that. I'm not even sure Paul thought that. But we know he didn't write it. Um, no, what, what did Paul say? Paul said, avoid them. Verse 17, the end. Avoid them. Avoid them is a aorist active imperative. That means it's a command that we're to obey today and every day with urgency. There's urgency when Paul said avoid them. He's not saying, hey, avoid them. He's saying, avoid them now. Do this now. Do this all day, every day. Avoid them. Avoid them means avoid them. Stay away from them. Don't give them the time of day. Don't listen to them. Don't put yourself around them or underneath them. Don't listen when those people, false teachers, start creating dissensions and pitfalls. Paul did not say, spend time listening to them so that you can understand them and debate them. Paul said, avoid them so you don't fall into the trap of sin like them. Stay away. Avoid them. So that you will not get caught up in sin with them. The good thing about Paul, and in, in, in all of the truth of God's word, is when we see God through these authors of his word share with us these imperatives, these commands, God always gives us the reasons why. And we find the reasons why in verse 18. We find out why we're not supposed to Listen to them. We're, we find out why. Paul told us immediately why we're to avoid them in verse 18. Paul says, for such people, here's the reasons. There's two reasons. For such people do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattering words, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So Paul told us that we're to avoid these people, these false teachers. We're to avoid these people who seek to create dissensions and pitfalls in the church for a couple of reasons. The first reason is real simple. They are not servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why. Or to avoid them because they're not servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're slaves to sin. They're lovers of self. They're focused on themselves only. He said they want to satisfy their own sinful appetites, urges, and desires. We're not to listen. We're to avoid them because they want people to follow them rather than the Lord. These people, these false teachers who Paul's referring to who create dissensions and pitfalls may appear to care about God as word in these people, but they really truthfully only care about themselves. So it's real clear. The first reason is they're not walking in obedience to God and his word. They're not teaching God's word. They're not teaching truth. So we need to avoid them. The second reason is right there in verse 18. is because they deceive others. They're deceivers. They're liars. They're deceptive. 
They deceive others and cause spiritual harm, divisions, and dissensions, and disunity, and problems for the church and the people in the church. They use smooth talk in flattering words to gain an audience. But those flattering words, their smooth talk is deceptive. They, as Paul said, intentionally deceive others in an effort to lead others away from God and his church and his word so they will follow them into sin. And notice, it's very important, notice that Paul specified and said they especially target those who are unsuspecting. What is he mean there these people these false teachers who seek to create pitfalls and dissensions they target the unsuspecting in the church that means they target the spiritually immature they target those who are easily impressed by smooth talk and flattering words they target those who have not yet developed spiritual discernment they target those who are just easily impressed by eloquent speakers. They target spiritually naive and immature. And so Paul here in the middle of this amazing chapter, he's sharing this priceless treasure of truth that has multiple levels of meaning and application for you and for me. As we think about this warning and what it means to us individually, as we think about this warning, And what it means to us as ministers to the congregations that God has placed around us. As we think about these words and what it means to those here in our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Remember this letter was written to the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church in Corinth. So we have to think about these words not only for us personally and not only for us as a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ here. But also for the congregations that God places us around as we leave this place at some point in time this morning and we go into our mission fields. And we go to minister to the congregations that God's placed around us. There's some application that we need to be aware of, that we need to put into place in our lives as a result of this warning. God didn't warn us through Paul just to pass the time away. He didn't warn us through Paul just to kind of give us a few thoughts to consider. Maybe we want to do it, maybe we don't. No, he, he warned us through Paul here for some specific purposes and reasons that we need to understand uh, today and this week. So let's look at those. Why did God, through Paul, warn us in this passage? I'll keep it to uh, three reasons why, and and we'll look at these reasons together. The first reason, uh, God warned us because he loves us. God warned us because God loves us. God loves you and God loves me. We just finished singing about uh, the never-ending love of God. And his warnings to us in his word are evidence of his amazing, lavish, generous, overwhelming, never-ending love for you and for me. Hey, as parents, we warn our children. Why? Because we love our children. We warn them because we love them. God warns us in his word because he loves us and he wants to protect us. And if we're all going to be honest here this morning together, which It's one of the many things that I love about our church, the transparency, just the the realness and our honesty. The truth is we need these warnings in Scripture. 
We need these warnings from God in Scripture. It's very easy for us to get lazy in our walk with Jesus and in our spiritual disciplines. It's very easy for us to get busy and distracted by our schedules and our our lives to the point where we take God and his word and his people for granted. It's easy for us to wander away from God into sin. And so we understand and realize that we need these warnings from God and his word to keep us dependent upon him. We need these warnings from God and his word to keep us focused on him. We need these warnings in God's word to remind us to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. We need these warnings in God's word to remind us to confess our sins to God, knowing he's faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need these warnings from God to remind us to forgive one another because Christ has forgiven us. We need these warnings to remind us that we're to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, and we're to think about him in all our ways. We need these warnings from God to remind us to seek him first in his kingdom and his righteousness. We need these warnings to in humility consider others better than ourselves. We need these warnings so that we will remind, be reminded to forget what is behind and to strain toward what is ahead, which is the goal of pressing on towards Christ. We need these warnings in God's word to remind us to pray at all times with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests with all the saints. We need these warnings in God's word to remind us to encourage one another daily and to consider ways in how we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds. These warnings from God and his word are vitally important for us and our growth in Christ and our walk with Christ. And in the responsibilities that we have from God's word in the one another's in scripture as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we know that, that God warned us through Paul because God loves us. Secondly, we know God warned us because God wants us to remember his word is best. God warned us to remind us his word is best. We see this. God's word is best for you and for me. And Paul said, avoid them. Avoid those who cause dissensions and pitfalls. Avoid those who do this by teaching truths, by teaching things that are contrary to the doctrine they had learned, which was contrary to the truth of God's word. What was he saying there? He was saying this, be sure Be sure that you listen only to those who preach and teach the truth of God's word. Be sure. Be sure that you listen to those who preach and teach the truth of God's word. He again is talking to the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church there in Rome. Now certainly there is room and there is need for apologists to defend the faith. And there are apologists who God calls out, equips, and gives the gift of debating and defending the faith. And those folks, certainly the apologists, are those who, who are able to study and know about uh, the other heretical beliefs and practices so that they can debate and defend the truth of God's word. But for the general majority of us as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to know and understand and listen to the truth of God's word. By doing so, we will be able to differentiate between truth and falsehood. We will be able to differentiate between the true gospel and the false gospel, true teaching and false teaching. As many other pastors and authors have said before, we understand and know again today that this book will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from this book. 
This book keeps us from sin, or sin keeps us from this book. Understand to know that Satan constantly tries, he constantly tries to lure us away from God's word. Constantly tries to lure us away from God's word by getting us busy, by getting us fatigued so that if and when we're able to spend time and stop and get along with the word of God that we drop our heads in the middle of it sleeping. Or we get so discouraged and so uh, overwhelmed by all the things we suddenly remember that we need to do that we couldn't remember if we tried, but now that we're in the word of God, we're remembering like crazy. Our memory's flashing back to us in amazing ways, which again, lures us away from the, the time in God's word. But we also know, as we see here once again, Paul and the authors of Scripture, God, the Holy Spirit, speaking through authors of Scripture, speaking through Paul here, constantly remind us to stay in God's Word. So here's the battle. We know the battle of spiritual warfare is going on, and we've got our enemy who's trying to lure us away from God's Word, and we've got the Holy Spirit within us constantly urging us to stay in God's Word. Paul specifically was one who continually urged us to stay in the word. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13, hold on to the pattern of sound teaching that you heard from me, the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, he said, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men so that they'd be able to teach others. What they had heard was the truth of God's word. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 in verse 14, but as for you, continue what you've learned and firmly believe, knowing from those whom you learn, talking about the truth of God's word. Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, proclaim the message, preach the word, whenever it's convenient or not, in season, out of season, rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. All God's word is inspired by God, spoken out, breathed out by God. It's useful, profitable for teaching, rebuke, and correcting, and training us in righteousness. So the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God will be equipped, mature, ready to live it out and do all that God's called us to do. And so we see over and over again, just in these simple examples from the book of 2 Timothy, Paul told Timothy and us as well to hold on to God's word, to pass on God's word, to continue in God's word, and to preach God's word. I think the point's clear. We need to stay in this word, amen? We need to stay in it. And that's why Paul warned us, God through Paul warned us to remind us that this word is best for us. God's word blesses us. God's word comforts us. God's word corrects us. God's word encourages us. God's word grows us. God's word prepares us. God's word protects us. God's word strengthens us. God's word sharpens us. God's word transforms us. God's word unites us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. The more we get in God's word, the more God's word gets in us, and the more God's word goes through us to those God places around us, which is exactly what God wants for us and others because his word is best for us and others. So the more we're filled up with this word, the more it can come flowing out, not only for our benefit and good, which is first and foremost, but for the benefit and good of others around us. And we understand and realize that just as we see uh, in any product that's within a tube, when you squeeze the tube, what happens? What's inside comes out. As hard as you may try, you're not getting that stuff back in that tube. It's coming out. Most of the time it's coming out because we want to use it. Same is true when life puts the squeeze on you and me as follows Jesus Christ. What is it that comes out? Hopefully and prayerfully, it will be the truth of God's word empowered and inspired by the Holy Spirit of God so that what comes out of us is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. 
And so we see this warning is so important for us. But again, it's for us, but it's also for us as it relates to our brothers and sisters in Christ here together. And it's also for us and all those in our congregations that we're going to spend the rest of this week ministering to. So we know and understand God's warning us because he's going to use this this week, maybe even today, maybe even this morning. I, I hope and pray, I believe his desire is to use it here in just a few minutes. But certainly then the rest of today and maybe this week. And so he's wanting us to understand He's preparing us because he loves us. He's preparing us because he wants us to get in his word and be reminded of the truth of his word because of what he's got in store for us. But we also know that that God warned us because unity is a must for us. God warned us because unity is a must for you and for me. God is a God of unity, not dissensions and divisions and disunity. We know that we believe in one God expressed in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and there is perfect unity in the Godhead between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we know we're family in Christ Jesus. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and God wants us to live together in unity as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We see throughout the New Testament, Paul told us to keep the unity of spirit through the bond of peace, which we share with one another by our faith in Jesus. We share unity together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We share a bond of peace together as brothers and sisters in Christ because of our faith in Christ Jesus. Paul told us that just as our bodies each of us has a physical body, and Paul told us just as our body has many different parts to it, though we have one body, it's made up of many different parts, and every part in our body, as he told the church in Corinth, is vitally important to the effectiveness and the function of our body. Just stub your toe, and you'll find out how quick those little guys are to the function of your entire body. Get a toothache, and you'll learn real quick. Something that we take for granted all the time, but that we use often, can absolutely impact everything. And Paul said, so also, we who are many make up the body of Christ. And every single one of us is important to the effectiveness and the function of the body of Christ. There's not one of us in this room that doesn't have a role, a purpose, a calling, a responsibility. Not just to yourself and your own walk with the Lord, but to this body. This body cannot operate and function at optimum health and effectiveness and strength if every one of us, every one of us, aren't playing our part. And that takes unity. You see, God wants us to be united in our obedience to him. God wants us to be united together in our obedience to his word. 
God wants us to be united together in our desire to please him. God wants us to be united in our desire to point others to him. God wants us to be united in our desire to go and make disciples of all nations. God wants us to be united in our love for him. God wants us to be united in our love for one another. Listen now, God wants us to be united in watching out spiritually for one another so we don't wander away into the trap of sin that Satan is constantly trying to lure us into on a day-by-day basis. What we see here when we're talking about unity, let me just bring it to you in this way. Hopefully it'll make it clear. What God's saying here is he calls us to have one another's back spiritually. That's what he's saying. He's warning us. Because there's some who are unsuspecting. He's warning us because we've got the enemy who's coming against us. He's warning us because we've got all these folks who look good, sound good, but they're not good. They're creating dissensions and pitfalls. And he's warning us so that we can watch. He loves us and he wants us to get in that word because that's word, that word is going to help us discern the, the truth from error. But he's also warning us because he wants us to understand, hey, we've got to have one of those back spiritually. This Christian life thing is not a lone ranger, I'm doing my own thing kind of life. If you think that, you're wrong. If you think you can be in charge of your life as a follower of Christ and have a little Jesus here and a little Jesus there, but over there, no, Jesus, no chance. That's mine. You're wrong. Because it's that little area of no Jesus that others may be seeing. That may be causing them to stumble. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about passion. We're talking about unity. We're talking about having one of those back. See, what he's saying is we're to have one of those back. We're to watch out for one another. We're to encourage one another and to forgive one another. We're to love one another. We're to pray with one another and pray for one another. We're to serve one another. We're to share with one another. We're to strengthen one another. We're to bless one another. In Jesus' name, we all have blind spots. We all have weaknesses. Every one of us. It does not take me long to understand and realize where my blind spots and weaknesses are. And my enemy reminds me every moment of every day. But my God also says I'm victorious through the blood of Jesus Christ. And not only me, but all those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me just ask, who's got your back spiritually? Who's got your back? Second question, whose back do you have spiritually? Who are you watching out for? Who are you encouraging and praying for? Who's standing in the gap for you? Who are you standing in the gap for? See, God's warnings in his word are so good for us because they keep us from wandering away from him They keep us from wandering away from his word. 
And hopefully and prayerfully, they keep us from wandering away from one another. And listen, if you don't know who's got your back spiritually, then you need to be transparent and open with a brother or sister in Christ and ask them. Yield yourself, open yourself, humble yourself. Don't walk around acting like you got everything together because we all know we don't. Masks are left outside in the parking lot. We come in real, needy, hurting. But we come to the one who heals, gives us hope and strength. And he does it through one another. Encourage someone by telling them, hey, I got your back. Encourage someone by going and saying, brother, thank you for having my back. Thank you. Tell sister in Christ, thank you for not giving up. For faithfully sharing truth of God's word with me and not compromising even when I don't want to hear it. Thank you. Paul's warning is good for you and for me today. I ask you to bow in prayer. I want to encourage you this time. <laughs>